0: Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Ridgeline Sunday live stream. My name is Ryan Hughley. I'm lead pastor of Ridgeline Church. It's an honor to have you gathered with us together this morning. Uh, we have had the privilege for the last six weeks to be able to meet in person at Salt Lake Community College, uh, as has been our normal practice. Uh, but sadly, with this recent surge that we're experiencing in the Salt Lake Valley, uh, we've made the decision for the short term uh, to go back online, as many of us are trying to stay home more. So I know that that's no one's preference. Uh, but it is the best decision both for our church family and for us to be able to do our best to help uh, take care of and love so many of our medical professionals who are overwhelmed with recent COVID cases uh, in our hospitals. And so the great thing, again, about technology is it gives us the ability to continue to press into God's word together and to be formed by him uh, even through this challenging season. So uh, Lord willing, this is just for the short run run for us, uh, but I am excited to be able to come back to 1st. Peter with you uh, this morning and to teach uh, the next four verses in 1 Peter chapter 3. Uh, I do want to remind you uh, that if you are watching this at home, it would be a great help to us. If you would take just a second uh, before or after or even right now, if you want to launch the Church Center app on your phone to fill out your info card specifically to send a prayer request in so that we can continue to stay connected to you and know how to pray uh, through this season where we're back online for a couple of weeks. So uh, all that to say, make sure you fill out your prayer request, the info card, and, uh, and Lord willing, we're gonna be back together in person in just a few weeks, all right? Well, let's do this. Why don't I pray for us to open our time together? And then uh, again, we'll jump back into 1 Peter chapter 3 together, okay? Why don't you bow your heads right where you are? Father, I thank you that you are a, a good and a sovereign God, that you are in control, that nothing surprises you, that nothing ever catches you off guard. And Lord, I just pray for those who are at home this morning and are feeling uh, uneasy, anxious, or um, stressed because of what's happening with COVID right now and this recent surge. Lord, people who might be worried about jobs people who might be concerned about loved ones, uh, people who might be home and sick this morning and not feeling well. Lord, I just thank you and take such great peace in the fact that you know where all of us are at. And so Holy Spirit, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would meet us where we are this morning and that even though we are physically apart, our hearts are one with you. And I pray God that as we look at your word together, that your Holy Spirit would speak directly to us in a powerful way that would instill hope in our hearts. We pray all of this in Jesus' name, amen. Well, this morning, uh, I want to talk about the importance of protecting your perspective in life, particularly when circumstances are challenging. As we have studied this powerfully written letter by the Apostle Peter, over and over we have seen him writing to a group of people whose immediate circumstances and their near future were looking increasingly dark. Now, remember, these early Christians were a severe minority. They had little to no political power. They had little to no social clout. And they were experiencing persecution more and more in the form of social isolation. And so all of this threatened their perspective. It would have been so easy for them to lose hope in life and to think something like, man, man God must have given up on us. We are so clearly alone and and maybe everything that we believe to be true was in fact false. All of those thoughts would have been the result of everything that was happening around them and how their circumstances were communicating to them. See, just like you and I, they were at risk of allowing their immediate circumstances to paint their perspective. Now, here's the problem with that. What is doesn't always dictate what will be. Can I say that again? Think about that for a second. What is, immediately in our lives, what is, doesn't always dictate what will be. And I think sports actually provide a pretty powerful illustration of this principle. In the 1995 NBA Eastern Conference semifinals, the Indiana Pacers were down by six points against the New York Knicks with only 18 seconds on the clock. Now, typically, that sized deficit with that little amount of time would have meant that the game was over for the Pacers. Furthermore, Rick Smits, the Pacers star center who had already scored 34 points and held Patrick Ewing to just 11, fouled out of the game with just a minute and 40 seconds left to play. So at that time, with, a, with whatever it was, 18 seconds to play, the score was 99 to 105. Only 18 seconds on the clock, and they are down their powerhouse player. So all of their circumstances pointed toward the game being over. But then something so unexpected and amazing happened. Reggie Miller, who some of you might remember if you follow basketball, who had struggled all night long shooting just 7 for 18, he hit two three-pointers in 3 seconds tying the game at 105-105. And then he was fouled and he hit both shots with 7.5 seconds left and the Pacers won this incredible game 107 to 105. He scored 8 points in just 9 seconds. It's one of the greatest comebacks in sports history, and it reminds us that what is doesn't always dictate what will be. Now, I totally understand that sports are not life, but my point is simply that situations like this demonstrate for us how dangerous it can be to allow our immediate circumstances to paint our perspective on life. See, our present circumstances that we find ourselves in any given moment, whether they are good or bad, they are are ever only the prologue to the larger and the greater story of Jesus in our lives. No matter how dark things seem, we always have reason for hope. And this hope that we're going to talk about this morning, it's not this like empty or naive optimism In just the four verses that we're going to briefly consider this morning, Peter gives us five reasons for hope. So if you haven't yet, uh, why don't you find a Bible or maybe uh, launch an app on your phone uh, that you can read the scriptures from, and do me a favor and go to 1 Peter chapter 3. Uh, We are specifically this morning going to be in verses 18 to 22, and if you are taking notes at home, uh, the title of the message this morning is uh, Reason for Hope which I think is something that we could all really use right now. Reason for hope. Now, let me read these verses uh, over us, and then uh, we'll look at them in more detail, okay? Beginning in verse 18 of chapter three, Peter writes this. He says, For Christ also suffered for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring you to God. He was put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit, in which he also went and made proclamation to the spirits in prison, who in the past were disobedient when God patiently waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared. In it, a few, that is eight people, were saved through water. Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you, not as the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a good conscience toward God through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, And powers subject to him. Now, before I unpack uh, these five reasons for hope, let me just make one brief comment about these verses in general. This passage has been notoriously challenging to interpret. In fact, even the brilliant German uh, theologian and reformer Martin Luther famously wrote this. He says, this is a strange text and certainly a more obscure passage than any other passage in the New Testament. And then he finishes by saying, I still do not know for sure what the apostle meant. Now I got to tell you, as a Bible teacher, it is a bit intimidating to tackle a text that even baffled Martin Luther. Now this text Uh, I I believe mistakenly has been used to teach that upon his death, that Jesus descended into hell to preach to dead people. Uh, It's also been used to teach that prior to his earthly ministry in the first century, that Jesus preached repentance through the Old Testament patriarch Noah uh, to the sinful people of his generation. Now, thankfully, in our own day that we live in right now, we have access to some of the most incredible resources ever. And the general consensus now is that this passage refers to the victory proclamation of Jesus following his resurrection as he ascended to his rightful place in heaven As ruler over all. So, we're going to unpack all of that in just a few minutes. But, all that being said, there is not any confusion surrounding the main theme and message of this passage. And so, here's our big idea this morning it's this In Christ, we have reason for real hope in hardship. In Christ, we have reason for real hope in the midst of hardship. Now, rather than just simply state that and then ask you to take it at face value, let me show you these five reasons that Peter gives us for real hope in the midst of hardship. All right? Five reasons for hope. Here's the first one. Number one, Christ's death was not defeat. Christ's death was not defeat. So remember again, Peter wrote, Jesus was put to death in the flesh, Now, when Peter wrote those words, it was far more than just a dry doctrinal statement to him. Because remember, Peter had personally stood at the foot of that blood-stained cross and watched as the life drained out of Jesus. And so as Peter wrote these words, they would have been tied to all the emotional memories that he held from the day that he watched this happen. He would have remembered the feelings of confusion and dread as his hope died with Jesus. Now to a far less painful, but no less real degree, we've all experienced death of things that we hoped for this year. In fact, I think 2020 will go down in history as perhaps the year of our lives marked by more disappointment than any other. For instance, many of you know, I turned 40 in October, And Tammy and I had all of these plans to celebrate in a bunch of different ways. And one of those was actually a trip that we had been planning for a long time to Hawaii. We had this magical trip there uh, for five years ago for our 10-year anniversary. And so we decided to go back for our 15th anniversary and my 40th birthday. And then COVID hit. And as you know, everything sort of shut down in March, but our trip wasn't until June. And so for a while, like I'm thinking all of us probably would, I was like really holding on to hope. I remember thinking, man, surely this whole thing is going to be over by June, right? This is what we all thought. Turns out not so much. And so sadly, we did have to cancel that trip. And I think, I was thinking about this today, I think the single most disappointing moment was when I mistakenly got an email from Delta Airlines telling us that it was time to board the flight that we had been scheduled on. We'd canceled it, but something got messed up with their email. And so the day we should have been leaving for Hawaii and it was time to board our flight, I got this email from Delta and it was just so terrible. So we've all experienced the death of things that we hoped for this year but we're largely talking about trips, right? Parties, graduations, and gatherings. But imagine Peter's experience. Remember, he he believed that Jesus was the Messiah. He'd spent three years, along with the other disciples, fully devoted to following Jesus. And then he watched with his own eyes as Jesus was put to death in the flesh. But here's the thing. Peter also saw Jesus made alive by the Spirit, as he says in verse 18. Peter spoke with Jesus after his resurrection. Peter ate with Jesus. Peter was able to touch Jesus with his own hands. And so Peter knew that even when life looks the darkest, defeat is not imminent. The death of Jesus was simply the runway to his resurrection. And because of this, we have reason for hope. Second Timothy chapter two, verses 11 and 12 say this. The saying is trustworthy. For if we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. So Christ's death was not defeat, which means you have reason for real hope in hardship. Here's the second reason for hope. Number two is Christ has secured our salvation. Christ has secured our salvation. Peter goes on to say that Christ also suffered for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous. Now think with me for a second about the anchoring effect that this should have on our hope. Because Jesus died for our sins once for all, our salvation is secured. So that means we don't have to prove ourselves. We don't have to wade through life worried that our good deeds won't outweigh our bad. Christ suffered and he died for sins once for all. I have a pastor friend who told me the story of touring a religious temple in his city. And this tour was being led by the sweetest and most sincere elderly couple who had given their entire lives in service to their particular faith. And as this tour came to its conclusion, this sweet couple, he told me, summarized their aspirations saying this, at the end of our lives, We just hope we've done enough to be accepted by God. Now listen to me for just a second. That uncertainty that they had in their hearts and in their minds, that uncertainty is the crushing consequence of every works-based religion. Jesus did not just make a down payment on your salvation that you now have to pay the remainder of. He didn't didn't just give you a head start. He ran the entirety of the race for you. Jesus suffered and he died to pay the full price for sin once and for all. And so if you have trusted him, you never need to spend even one second worried about your future. Christ has secured your salvation. And so you have very real reason for hope. Here's the third reason for hope. Number three is Christ gives us access to the Father. Christ gives us access to the Father. So notice that in addition to telling us that Jesus secured our salvation, Peter also tells us why. In verse 18, he says that, that he might bring you to God. Now think about that for a second, because that we can never forget that Christ's death and resurrection not only saves us from something, but it also saves us to something. We are saved to relationship, true, deep, intimate, transforming relationship with a perfect heavenly father. And so everything we read in this passage, and truthfully, everything we read in the entire Bible is God in pursuit of relationship with us. And so as I was thinking about this verse, I think Peter's words here ring with the familiar echo of the very famous verse, John 3:16. There, Jesus himself said, "For God loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in Him will not perish, but have eternal life." And so God the Father sent Jesus, God the Son, to bring you and I into restored relationship with Him. And what I think sometimes we tend to overlook in this is God's deep desire for relationship with you and I. He didn't just save us from death to live in disconnect, disconnected from relationship with Him. He saved us to relationship. And the truth is this should flood your heart with hope because it means that you are loved that you are longed for. You're not just tolerated by God. It also means that you're not alone, that God is with you at all times and in all circumstances. It means you have access to the Father's infinite strength and infinite wisdom, especially in these wearying and complicated times. Christ gives us access to the Father. And so you have real reason for hope in hardship. Now, the fourth reason for hope is that Christ declared victory over death. I love this one. Christ declared victory over death. Listen again to what happened just after Jesus' resurrection. In verse 19, Peter picks back up. He says, He also went and made proclamation to the spirits in prison who in the past were disobedient when God patiently waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared. In it a few, that is eight people, were saved through water. Baptism, which also corresponds to this, now saves you, not as the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a good conscience toward God through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So it is so critical that we don't get so lost in the midst of the more confusing language that Peter employs here, that we would miss the more significant reason that he gives us for hope. Jesus, in these verses, Jesus proclaimed victory over death. Now, for me, this brings to mind a powerful scene in C.S. Lewis's The Lion, The Witch, and The Wardrobe, which hopefully you've read or seen the movie. But if you remember toward the end, the great lion, Aslan, has given his own life to save young Edward, who had betrayed him. And so after torturing him, shaving his mane, and muzzling him, the white witch drives a knife deep into Aslan's heart, killing him. And then the witch and her minion army strut off, fully believing that they have defeated the great lion. But just moments later, the stone table is broken in two and Aslan returns bigger and more beautiful than before. And as a great exclamation on this grand moment, Aslan turns to Susan and Lucy, and he says this, he says, and now to business, I feel I am going to roar. You had better put your fingers in your ears. Lewis continues writing, and they did, and Aslan stood up, and when he opened his mouth to roar, his face became so terrible that they did not dare to look at it. And they saw all the trees in front of him bend beneath the blast of his roaring as grass bends in a meadow before the wind. Now, while Lewis's story is clearly fiction, Peter states as fact that Jesus did the same thing. As he ascended back to the right hand of the father, Jesus roared, declaring victory over every evil, including death. And as he roared, the curse was reversed, and we received a true and a living hope. Christ declared victory over death, and so you have reason for real hope, even in the midst of hardship. Finally, our fifth reason for hope this morning is this, Christ sits sovereign over all. Christ sits sovereign over all. You know, after rising from the dead, 1 Corinthians 15 tells us that Jesus appeared in the flesh to Peter and then the apostles and then to more than 500 people. And Acts 1 tells us that after this 40-day period, Jesus ascended into the sky and now he sits enthroned uh, over and above all things. And so Jesus has secure, sovereign control over everything that takes place in this world. Jesus is sovereign over every angel, authority, and power on earth, as verse 22 says. Jesus is sovereign over presidents, prime ministers, dictators, kings, and queens. Jesus is sovereign over social unrest, elections, and pandemics. Jesus is sovereign over all things. And so though sometimes he will allow this life to hurt and sometimes he will allow this life to be hard. He never leaves us alone, nor does he ever lose control over what is happening. Christ sits enthroned over all. So you and I always have reason for hope. So if you're listening and, uh, and you've never made a decision to trust Jesus by faith, I certainly want to invite you to that this morning. I feel like it would be such a huge miss to talk about all this amazing hope that we have in Jesus and then not invite you to him. Jesus Christ, God, the son lived a perfect life that you could not, and then paid with his life, the price for your sin so that you would not have to. And then three days later, he rose again, victorious over sin and death. And now Jesus is inviting you to bring your worries, your doubts, and your brokenness to him. He invites you to bring all of your past, your present, even your future to him. And so I wonder if you would be willing to do that today. Will you surrender your life by faith to giving the rest of your life to follow Jesus? I desperately pray that you would make that decision this morning if you have not. And just as we close for this week, I know that it feels kind of strange in this season to be celebrating Thanksgiving. (laughs) Like not, not only has it been a year in which it takes far more work to even find things to be thankful for, but many of us can't even celebrate this holiday with the people that we love the most. And so I know how strange and hard that is. I know that for so many of us, life feels dark. And truthfully, I think this is why we find ourselves in such deep need of hope. Because we are never more desperate for hope than when life feels most dark. And so here's the very good news. Even though it feels right now, maybe like we are down by six points with only seconds left in the game. I'm telling you, it's not over. Jesus staged the greatest comeback in history and ours is coming nothing is over. If Christ wasn't defeated in death, if he has secured our salvation, if he has given us access to the father, if he has declared victory over death, if he sits sovereign over everything, then we have reason for very real hope. In Psalm 27, verses 13 to 14, King David said this. He said, I am certain that I will see the Lord's goodness in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart be courageous. Wait for the Lord. Friends, nothing is over. And even though the battle continues, the war has been won. And so together, let's choose this patient hope that waits for God to show himself good in our lives. Can we do that? Let me pray for us as I ask God to help us do just that. Will you bow your head with me? Father, it is, it is hard to trust right now. It's hard to have hope right now for many of us. For, many, uh, for most, this has been a very challenging year and a challenging season. And, and even these last few weeks have been particularly hard. And so, Lord, I just pray for every single person listening this morning. If there's anyone who has not put their faith in you, or maybe, Lord, they've been living in the, this cycle of religion that says that they have to prove themselves or earn their way into your love and affection and acceptance. God, I pray that you would push all out aside, and they would hear this morning that Jesus died for their sins once for all, that there is nothing left for them to prove. There's just a gift for them to receive. And so, Lord, if there is anyone listening who has not put their faith in Jesus, I pray that you would awaken their hearts to faith, that they would love and trust him and follow him for the rest of their lives. And Lord, for the rest of us, I pray that you would use these five reasons to really instill in us and fan into flame a very real hope. That we would know, Lord, that even though things are hard right now, even though our circumstances point toward it, feeling like we're real close to game over, God, help us to know that we have reason for hope, that you are with us, that you have defeated death, that you have a good plan, that you're sovereign, that there's something you're doing in and around us at all times, that even history is marching forward toward the destination for which you created it. Help us to rest in you, our good and perfect and kind Father. Lord, we love you. We need you. We are so thankful to Jesus for who he is and everything that he has done for us. Lord, would you use this hope to grow gratitudes in our hearts this Thanksgiving week. Protect us, keep us safe, bring us all back together in person soon. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I love you guys very, very much. Thank you so much uh, for taking a few minutes to watch this. I want to wish you and your family a happy Thanksgiving. And uh, if this is your first time joining us uh, on our stream and you've never had the opportunity to gather with us in person and you want more information, uh, you can just visit uh, our website at ridgeline.church. That's ridgeline.church. There's more information about me, about our church, about our team uh, there. We would love to see you back together with us in person. So just as a reminder, there's not going to be uh, any stream next Sunday, Uh, but Lord willing, we will be back together soon or we will be back online and we will send more information to you about that. So I love you. Have a happy Thanksgiving and I'll talk to you soon.